yesterday, and I, I wasn't feeling too hot this morning. And I called Brother Joe before I got too far along because I thought if I didn't do something uh, and I got here tonight, I wouldn't feel good enough to do it. So I asked him to do it. But, man, isn't that a great song, that uh, Be Thou My Vision? What a song, man. I mean, when you get to that thing, High King of Heaven, when you get to the end of that thing, uh, this is life. Uh, I told somebody today they, they worried about COVID. I don't, now, if you have, I, I don't care whether you took the shot, you didn't take the shot. It doesn't matter to me one bit. But your life shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't isolate yourself in this world because of some stupid virus out there somewhere that you think someday, well, you could get hit with a truck too, or a car, or a train, or a plane could fall on you. I mean, you can't isolate yourself. And I've talked to some people that isolate themselves, and that's all they do is isolate themselves. I'm like, you miss life when you do that stuff. And, and right here he goes, high king of heaven. Well, he's my high king, and I'm going to trust him. My victory won. May I reach heaven's joy, O bright heaven's sun, heart of my own heart, whatever befall, uh, still be my vision, O ruler of all. You know, when it's all said and done, well, if you can just have it, it when I take my last breath, I've heard people say they get, uh, they've been around people, others who died, and one it pops in my head, and they could talk for a little while and say, I can't wait to see Jesus, can't wait to see Jesus, uh, see Jesus, see Jesus. And the last couple things they could ever say was Jesus. Jesus, before they pass away, just Jesus. Uh, there's nothing more to look forward in this world. I mean, this world wants to take everything from you, and it can't take him from you. It just can't do that. And this world, no matter what it tries to do, crack pipes. I heard Brother, uh, brother Barry talk about that. I mean, that's, that's ignorant. That's ignorant. Well, I mean, we're so far ignorant. $30 million worth of crack pipes go out to people. I don't know how true that is. I mean, I just cannot imagine that we could be that foolish and stupid and dumb that we would put $30 million into drugs into our nation. Uh, you, you read that? I like that letter right there. In Norway, to get in, you actually have to take courses to understand their history and their language. Uh, in ours, all you have to do is come across the Mexican border, and we'll give you green card, money, education. We'll give you, we'll give you anything you want, man. We'll give you health care. We'll, we'll do whatever you got to do. I mean, we'll take it away from the citizens that's been here forever. I better stop because I might mess Joe's message up. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's asinine. It's insane. It's insane. And it's just funny at the same time. It's funnily insane. I mean, it's, you can't get any worse than this. I'm like, Lord, you've got to come back soon. He might be just in heaven laughing right now. Because uh, he says over in Proverbs, he says, I'll laugh at your calamity. I'll mock, it. I'll mock at you. I'll mock you. And one of these days, the Lord's going to come back, and he's going to do just that. I'm just glad I'm on his side, and he's still my vision. And I, I get to be behind him and watch what he does. And I'll be looking at him, and when he's laughing, I'm going to laugh with him. <laughs> if he's frowning, I'm going to frown with him. You know, you just got to watch him. But I think we'll have the mind of Christ. But anyways, brother, I'll shut up and let you have it. And uh, it, it was good, though. I thought that was All right, <clears throat> take your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 7 tonight. Luke chapter 7. It makes sense they want to get into the crack business. They got so much debt, so it's the best way to pay the bills. <laughs> All right. Luke chapter number seven. Have a few thoughts tonight. Uh, be definitely more more teachy tonight, but hopefully something that'll help you. Uh, Luke chapter number seven. We're going to start in verse number eleven. And it came to pass. Uh, it came to pass the day after that he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. And it says, Now when he came uh, nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up, began to speak, and delivered him, uh, and he delivered him, uh, to his mother. And there came a fear on all they that, uh, uh, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region around about, and the disciples of John showed him, uh, him 
of all these things. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in church tonight. Thank you, Lord, for all that have come out. Undoubtedly, uh, Father, they came out here to hear something from you tonight, and I pray that that's exactly what they'd hear. Father, we just ask as we open up this book in this time, Father, that you give us clarity of thought. Father, I pray, Lord, that you wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you give us understanding uh, through some, some little nuanced things out of this passage, Lord. This is a treasure trove, Lord. We'll never reach the end of it. Father, we thank you that, Lord, it's a, it's a supernatural book. It, it gives us insight uh, in ourselves, Lord God. Uh, and if we're honest enough to take the things that you show us, Father, we could be a lot closer to you than what we are. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. As we, I pray that we'd all have a, a mind to strive to get closer to you. And I pray that you'd help your people here tonight. Get us through this week. As Brother Stahl prayed, Lord, I've uh, been hit with all kinds of things. The world's thrown at us up to this point, Lord. And this has got to get us through the rest of the work week. So I pray, give us something tonight, Lord. We ask it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I was going through this passage in Sunday school with the teenagers uh, on uh, this last Sunday. And uh, was going through, uh, uh, as we have been, the life of Christ and hitting all of the, uh, the places that uh, uh, the, the different things that were, uh, took place in Jesus Christ live in, se in, in sequential order. And uh, as we did so, I just try to expound on some of the, uh, the things in which he did. And uh, as we came across this, this passage, it's only mentioned one time in your Bibles. So the only time it's mentioned is here in Luke uh, chapter number 7. Uh, this is the, the widow of Nain, the raising of her son. And uh, really, the details, I mean, it only takes up a few verses, right? Um, really, what you, what you end up getting in verse 11 is it came to pass that uh, there, there's a group of people following Jesus Christ. There's, a, there's a, many of his disciples went with him and much people at the end of verse 11, okay? And so he's coming into this city, and there's a bunch of people coming out of the city. So there's a group coming in, and then there's a group coming out. And uh, it's funny because they, they intersect one another, and Jesus Christ picks up on this woman weeping, and he sees that it's a, it's a funeral procession, and there's a coffin there, and they're, and they're hauling this, this, this uh, lady's son out, and course it's breaking her heart and she's and she realizes that this is the last bit of family she's got because she's a widow so her husband's gone and this is the only son she's ever had and now he's gone and so she's about to be alone and there's all kinds of implications in her life that are about to change and uh, Jesus Christ looks on her and the Bible says that he has compassion on her and then he goes ahead and he heals her son now, it's a great story, it's a great, and there's a lot of great preaching that you could do in here, but I would like to focus in on the response of the individuals that were following them and the ones that were out with this woman who saw this miracle transpire. Because, listen folks, what I'm trying to talk about tonight is, listen, is one of the most important things you need to learn in your Christian life. The things that we're going to try to pull out of this passage in the next few minutes, if this, this will determine what kind of Christian you will become. Amen. What we're about to look into tonight is, listen, you get presented with, the, with uh, truth. You get presented with amazing things. You get presented with the miracles of Jesus Christ. And how you respond to those things will dictate how your Christian life goes. Okay? And so if we look here... In verse number 16, it says, There came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen among us, and that God hath visited his people. Folks, I just want to set the stage uh, for you if, you, if, if you allow me to. Uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 2, we're going to flip a little bit here tonight. But in 1 Corinthians... The, and listen, there's some of you uh, on the teen trip, you're, you're asking me about, you know, verses that you should memorize. And listen, I love that. Uh, please, please don't ever hesitate to ask those kinds of questions. Hey, what verses should I memorize? Listen, you ought to be in your Bible. You ought to start memorizing. If you're not actively memorizing verses, man, you should. You should be getting the Word of God in you. I think you, it's great on Wednesday night. You get a chance to quote a Bible verse and pick a song. Listen, why don't you learn some Bible verses? 
Okay? That's how you resist the devil. Okay? That's how you win victories in your life is you, 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 you fight it with the Word of God. Okay? But if you're, if you're wondering about, you know, some verses, some of these verses are very, very simple, very, very uh, beginner-type verses, if you will. And these would be great ones to memorize if you feel like jotting them down. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, looking in verse number 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Okay? So he's saying here that there's, listen, there's people out there that are not saved. They do not have the Spirit of God in them. And it is impossible for them to understand spiritual truth. They could be presented with spiritual truth. They could be very highly intellectual. They could have great degrees and, uh, and, and all kinds of accolades behind their name. And then they cannot understand spiritual truth. They can't understand it. Some of you here, undoubtedly, if, you, if, if, if the statistics are right, you've heard of a man in Jordan Peterson, and everybody's, he's all the rage nowadays, and he's catching Christians' ears, and he's catching preachers' ears because he's uh, friendly towards the Bible. He has, he has commentaries he's written on the Bible. You know what? He's a philosopher. He's a psychiatrist from Canada. And he's in all, and they're interviewing all, all these podcasts and all these shows and everything else, and he's making these political stands, but he's also giving seminars on the book of Exodus. The man is lost. The man is lost. And you've got preachers listening to his commentary on the book of Exodus. He can't understand spiritual truth. Why are you listening to him? What's he going to give you? But he's so intellectual, that's your problem. That's your problem. You'd, you'd rather get something that feeds your, your brain than something that can actually touch your heart. Okay? There's a basic biblical principle. If you're not saved, you can't understand this book. It requires the Spirit of God uh, to show you things. John chapter number 16. John chapter number 16. Let me show you where I get this from. It's impossible for you to understand the things of God without the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has to reveal those things. In verse number 13 of John chapter number 16, this is again a very simple verse that I'm sure many of, many of you know. It says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit of truth is what guides you into what kind of truth? All truth. Not some truth, not partial truth, all truth. All truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, uh, uh, that shall he speak, and will show you things to come. Okay, so listen, here it is. You, it's impossible for you to understand spiritual truth because the natural man doesn't receive it. And we understand that the Spirit of God is the one that reveals truth to us. Okay, go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm, like I said, I'm running through these simple verses, but I'm going somewhere. Ephesians chapter number 1. And I have quite a bit of stuff here tonight. I'd like to try to get through it without rushing and without, I'm not going to keep everybody. So Ephesians uh, chapter number one, verse number 13. And whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. What did I just show you? Okay, the natural man can't receive the things of God. Why? Because he's spiritually discerned. He doesn't understand it because the Spirit has to show you that kind of stuff. That's John chapter 16. How do you get a hold of the Spirit of God? You listen. You hear the Word of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you believe the gospel of your salvation. And then the Holy Spirit is sealed inside of you. Salvation is a prerequisite for you to understand spiritual truth. Okay? And so once you get saved, the Holy Spirit now resides inside of you, and now the lights start to come on. Okay? The lights start to come on. And we know that uh, how you receive the truth is extremely important. 
I'm going to say that again. How you receive the truth is extremely important when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, uh, this is in a this is in a, uh, simplicity as far as seeing it in the, in the form of salvation, and that is that okay, you have to uh, hear the gospel. You hear the gospel, and that according to uh, Romans ten nine and ten, that if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth, belief and reception of the truth is not the same thing. You can believe and not have received Jesus Christ. You ever met somebody say, so "I believe in God," right? Does their belief equate to their receiving Jesus Christ? Well, no, it doesn't. That's why he says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ has come up from the dead, you have to receive him. It's more than just, okay, it's like, yes, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and now I'm going to confess with my mouth, Lord, will you be my Savior? Lord, come into my heart. Lord, please save me. I'm now receiving you as my Savior. Okay, it's two-part. So a belief is required, but it's not the same as reception. But we know that, and ultimately, you have to receive Jesus Christ in order to understand the truth. Pretty basic, right? Pretty basic. I didn't tell you nothing you didn't know, right? <clears throat> go, back to, uh, go back to our text here in Luke chapter 7. These people, they are, they are confronted with an amazing dose of truth. Jesus Christ performs a miracle right in front of them. Okay? And you say, there came uh, fear on all, and it says, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up. A great prophet is risen up. And he says that God visited his people. Nobody called on the Messiah. Nobody laid palm leaves out and said, oh man, this guy, he's different. <laughs> you know what they did? They were presented with truth. Listen to me. They were presented with truth. And then what man's nature sometimes likes to do is they compartmentalized him and put him in a place where they felt comfortable with what they just saw. Okay? Hear me out. They get confronted with this miracle. Somebody that was dead, that was in a coffin, being carried outside of the city, which is what they did with dead people, just leaned up and was embracing their mother before it was all said and done. They just saw somebody that was dead get brought back to life. And it was almost like there was a, a silence there. And they're like, what do we do with this? <laughs> right? And they go, oh, well... He's a great prophet. What in the world are you talking about? He's a great prophet. What do you mean he's a great prophet? Well, 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 well we, we've, seen, we've seen miracles before. I mean, think about it. The Jews require a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. We know that after the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the, uh, the, uh, the uh, book of Acts, as we get towards the end of the book of Acts, the signs of the apostles wean their way out with the apostle Paul. And by the end of uh, Paul's ministry, the apostolic signs are completely phased out. And because Acts is a transitional book... We don't derive our doctrine from the book of Acts. And so that's why we don't believe in signs and wonders because God was changing his direction. God was changing his, uh, his point of, uh, of ministry from the, exclusively the Jews to now opening it up to the Gentiles. And Jews require a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. You are right now, although you're reading in the book of Luke, you are reading the Old Testament. Right? Because the New Testament is not in effect until the death of the testator. And so, listen, until, I think it's Matthew uh, chapter 26, Luke chapter 23, uh, Matthew, or John chapter number 19, you're, you're, until you get to those chapters, you're, you're reading all Old Testament stuff. They're still underneath the Old Testament law. Listen, they've seen miracles. 
Listen, they've had the stories passed down of how Moses parted the Red Sea and brought all the plagues upon Egypt. And they know about Elijah and the things that Elijah did and Elisha and the amazing things that he did. They, under, they, they remember Jim getting tossed down into a thing. And then this guy that was dead just kind of pops up. He's like, man, why am I in this hole? They've heard miracles. And so they said, well, we've, he's just a prophet. <laughs> We've seen, we've seen this before, right? You want to know what sometimes causes you not to receive the truth? Is because it's too familiar. It's too familiar. I've heard that before. <laughs> I've heard that before. I've been in church for years. I've heard that before. And so you know what? Because of its simplicity... It's put into a special little container, and we put it off to the side, and we say, oh, that's where it belongs, right there. Right? I've heard that truth before, and so you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to, I'm not going to really receive it. I'm just going to put it off to the side here. He's a prophet, a great prophet. Good to see you. Appreciate it. God's with us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That was a great message. I really appreciate your talk. Right? <laughs> I've heard it before because it's so, it's so, Simple. It's so simple. Uh, look in Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter 8, look in verse number 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and by the, uh, by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, some say Elias, others of the prophets. You see that? He's doing these miracles. He's showing these things. He's making what the Bible calls full proof of his ministry. Right? And they say, oh, well, we've seen that before. We just think he's a great prophet. That's just a good moral truth. Right? You know why people do that? They become so familiar with the truth. You know what it ends up making you do? Not receive it. And so you can sit in a pew and say, oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. And what you're now doing is you're just cataloging everything you hear. Somebody, some, some simple truth comes out. Somebody just talks, preaches a salvation message. You're like, I heard that before. Already done that. Check the box. And you don't let it come inside. And you, don't let it, and you don't let it fester in your heart. And you don't let it affect you. And you don't let it excite you. You just let it just categorize it over here. Because it's so familiar. It's so simple. It's so simple. But there's a problem with that. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. You guys know this stuff. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Preach the word, verse 2. Be instant in season, out of season, preacher. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure it. But that after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers. What? Having itching ears. What is that? Tell me something I ain't never heard before. Hey, hey, tell me something about the great deep. Hey, don't why, why don't you why don't you get into why don't you get into more political issues? Something that resonates with where we are today. Why have you heard, have you just categorized all the simple things? Looking for something different to scratch your little ears? That's a mark of a, a carnal Christian. Look in Acts chapter 17. You've got to be careful with these things, folks. Jesus Christ is standing in front of them doing a miracle. You know what they didn't do? They didn't receive the truth that they saw. They didn't receive it. 
They just compart they just categorized it. He's a good prophet. Seen that before. What else can you do? Do you do flips? Do you have card tricks? Do you have a great youth program? <laughs> you see that? People are no longer satisfied with the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. Don't you know that's a work of the devil? The work of the devil is what? To blind the minds of them from the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. We need to guard ourselves, folks. We need to guard ourselves big time. Mark, or, uh, Acts chapter number 17, look at verse number 21. For all the uh, Athenians and strangers which were uh, spent their time in nothing else but to tell and to hear some new thing. I want to hear something new, preacher. You're a little too simple of a preacher for me. You're just talking about, you know, eternal security and salvation and indwelling Holy Spirit and those kinds of can't you can't you preach some flowery sermon with a bunch of illustrations that, you know, make my heart palpitate and it's almost like watching a soap opera and gets my tear ducts open and it starts to run down my face. You're not hearing what you want to hear? You know that it said that you have to endure sound doctrine. Listen, I, I know sometimes teaching it can be drier than cracker juice, as Dr. Ruckman used to say. I get that. Well, you want something? It's really, really important. It's re doctrinal preaching is really important. Well, I've heard that before. I know that. And you just put it away, put it off the side. You know, that's the way for you to reject the truth. Sitting in a church... Got a Bible education. What are you doing? Rejecting truth sometimes. You got to be careful. Got to be careful. I've heard that before. I won't turn there, but John 21, Jesus Christ talking to Peter over and over and over again. Simon Barjonas, lovest thou me more than these? Yeah, I love you, Lord. Simon, thou son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Uh, you just said that. But yeah, Simon Barjona, uh, do you love me? And you know what it says over there in John 21? It says, and he was grieved. He was grieved. It grieved him that he kept hearing the same thing over and over and over again. He said, man, I've got it, Jesus. He says, uh, Paul over there in Philippians chapter 3. Turn there, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. Not nothing different. Not nothing you don't know. To me, indeed, is not... What did he just say? Grievous. Didn't he just tell you that? Uh, he didn't, didn't he just talk about being grieved with Peter? It grieved him. Didn't he tell you how to endure sound doctrine? Why? Because it can grieve you. And he says, for me it is not grievous, but for you it is safe. It's safe. It's safe to hear a message on John 3.16. <laughs> it's safe. I've heard it before. Okay. Well, instead of compartmentalizing and say, well, that one's not for me. That must be for somebody else. He says, no, you need to marinate on that. You need to let that thing get in your heart. You need to, let that thing, you need to make sure that that thing still affects you the way it did the first time you heard it. Amen. We're, we lack our sincerity. I, I was reading today and I was meditating on some things when it talked about uh, that in order for you to come to Jesus Christ, it says, unless you take on the form of a child... And I think, you know what, I understand when Paul said, uh, he says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And I agree with that. I believe you should mature on the outside. I believe you should mature as an individual. You shouldn't stay a teenager your whole stinking life. But I do believe this, there has to be some semblance of childlike faith and childlike simplicity in order for you to make it as a Christian and have your heart still tender to those simple things. Amen? You need that. Because sometimes 
Familiarity with the truth, it can cause you to reject it because you find things too simple. And all of a sudden, it doesn't hit like it used to hit. It should. It should. When we sing, listen, we sang Ain't Can It Be the other day, and it got to the My Chains Fell Off part. That wasn't a peep. That's sad. I'm not trying to get on you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to point something. I'm making an observation. I've heard those songs before. I know where you're supposed to shout. I know where you're supposed to say amen. Okay. A little too familiar, huh? Are you waiting for some new song to come out for you to shout? You wait, are, you waiting, are you waiting for something you haven't heard before? You better be careful. You better be careful. Because uh, sometimes you say... You reject the truth because you're waiting for something new. Look what else he said in verse number 16. He says that, uh, that uh, came fear on all. Fear. Fear. Because I thought about this uh, as to segue into this point based on what we just talked about. What was the difference between the miracles of Jesus Christ versus the miracles of the Old Testament? What's the difference between the miracles of Jesus Christ than, say, Moses doing the miracles in Egypt or parting of the Red Sea or Elijah calling down fire or, you know, throwing a stick in the bitter waters of Mara and all of a sudden sweet waters come out and the, the miraculous feeding of, uh, uh, of manna. And, of course, the, we want meat, so quail comes. And, and what about Elisha and the miracles that he did and, and uh, the amazing things that happened all throughout the Old Testament and signs and wonders and great things that happened to the nation of Israel. Stuff that they saw, deliverances from battles and uh, to have God send bees to a battle so that you can win a battle or uh, to walk around Jericho a certain amount of times and, and all of a sudden the walls fall down or, or uh, the, the, three th the 300 soldiers of Gideon. What about these miracles? What about these amazing signs? What's the difference between Jesus's and theirs? Because after all, a prophet's a prophet, right? And that's what they say. They say, oh, he's just some great prophet. He's just like, and he says, who do men say that I am? Well, it could be John the Baptist, could be Elijah, could be Elisha, it could be one of these great guys. We've heard about them all before, Right? Look in Luke chapter 5. Just a few chapters before this. Give us a little bit of insight what I'm trying to say. Luke chapter number 5. Look in verse number 20. Of course, this is the, uh, this is the, uh, the time where uh, the, the friends had a lame friend and they bring him up there to see Jesus and there's a big crowd and they can't get in there so they climb up to the roof. They take the tiles off the roof. They lower him down. Right? And verse number 20 says, And when he saw their faith and said to them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Wait a minute. Time out. Oops. Stop. How come you couldn't just said, Take up thy bed and walk? How, how, how come it couldn't have just been like, Hey, just, just get up. You're not lame anymore. Hey, everybody, let's have a round of applause. Let them do a dance for us. Why'd you have to go off and say something off the wall like your sins are forgiven? Because he wasn't like those other prophets were. <laughs> right? The Bible says that a greater than Solomon is here. Amen? And he's greater than Solomon. Because, of course, they took issue with this in verse 21. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason. Oh, that's what the problem is right there. You started thinking. That's your problem. <laughs> That's your problem. You're thinking too much, right? And he says, uh, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Very good uh, deduction there, sir. Absolutely. I agree with that statement. But when Jesus perceived, perceived their thoughts, answering said unto them, why reason ye in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. He says here, what does he say? But ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. So he said what he should have said the first time. He said it last after he said a thing about the sins. Why is that? Because if you don't know anything about Jesus Christ, the one way you know Jesus Christ is special is because if he wasn't who he said he was, he was the biggest blasphemous man that ever walked the face of the planet. He said, I and my Father are one. 
Who are you, a prophet? When, was the, when, when did Moses go up to anybody and say, thy sins are forgiven? When did Samuel ever go up to somebody and say, hey, don't worry about it, your sins are forgiven? Never. When did Elisha tell anybody, your sins are forgiven? Never happened. Do you see what I'm talking about tonight? Why? Oh, their fear. What don't they like about it? Well, the difference between the miracles of the Old Testament prophets and the miracles of Jesus Christ is, guess what? It had something to do with their sins. And he was able to have, a, he, he was able to have an opinion about their personal life. He was able to see into their hearts. And nobody else could do that. Nobody else could do that. And so, yeah, you know what caused you to, to reject the truth? Familiarity. You know what else caused you to reject the truth? Fear. Fear of what? Fear of you getting something revealed that you don't want revealed. Fear of dealing with sin. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. I try to uh, bathe this thing with scripture so nobody can argue. <laughs> 2 Thessalonians. I think they moved Thessalonians on my, in my Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Look in verse number 12. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, in verse, um, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. See where we're at? They receive not the love of the truth. That's what we're talking about tonight. It says uh, that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned who believe not the truth. But look at what it says. Had pleasure in unrighteousness. What was their problem? Why did they reject the truth? They didn't want to stop their sinning. It's all great and it's, uh, it's okay to say that God is visiting us as long as God doesn't start to intermingle himself with how we live our lives. It's okay to have a belief in God as long as God has no requirements for me. As long as he has no opinions about my life and how I live it and the choices that I make and the decisions that I make. As long as he, stay, he keeps his nose out of my life. I got no problem believing God. Because you want to know what men fear? That you're going to change their lifestyle. Men fear that. People fear that. Listen, it ain't just lost folks. Christians don't like it either. Because we got our stuff that we like. We got our stuff that we enjoy. We got our stuff, we got our little pet things that we enjoy. And you know what we do? We say, God, just keep your nose out of my stinking business. And so the Lord presents you with a great truth. And you know what you do? You just shove it off to the side. Amen. Well, that's good for them, but I don't want to be, you know, holier than thou. <laughs> right? I want to be a little too fanatical with that, you know, brother. I, don't, I mean, you said, I know the preacher said that and everything, but I know you didn't mean you were going to actually do it. Right? I mean I, I mean, I believe in going to church, but I don't really think it should spill over into your personal life. Starting to make a little bit of sense? Go to John chapter 3. Again, you want to know how you know God wrote this book? Because men wouldn't write this kind of stuff about himself. <laughs> I wouldn't. John chapter 3, verse uh, number 17. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what the world says. Oh, you're just trying to condemn me. No, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell you the truth. I'm trying to tell you about Jesus Christ. He forgives you of your sins. He lets you go to heaven when you die. You're just trying to condemn me. No, that's not why he came. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath uh, not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look in verse number 19. And this is the condemnation. Okay? This is the condemnation. This is why. He's, he's given you the, the sentence, but now he's given you the why. 
He says that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Oh, wait, so you rejected the light? You rejected the truth because why? Because your deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Why? Lest his deeds be reproved. I don't want you to tell me that that's wrong. I don't want you to tell me it's not okay to shack up outside of marriage. I don't want you to tell me that it's, that it's not okay for me to have a casual drink. I don't want you to tell me that it's not okay that I just, you know, let a, let a cuss word fly every now and again, you know, when I get mad. I don't want you to tell me it's okay that, or it's not okay for me to harbor bitterness and talk bad about people behind their backs and do all. You see what I'm saying? And so the truth is presented and it's immediately discarded. Why? Because they're fearful. What? They're going to make me change my life. He's going to get in my business. He's going to start pointing out my flaws. He's going to, he's going to, start, he's going to start showing me bad things about myself. And lest my deeds be reproved, I will gladly reject that light. You see what I'm saying tonight? You've got to be careful. Because sometimes you reject the truth. You'll sit right there. You reject the truth. You want to know how you reject it? He tells you exactly. He put, the Lord has a funny way. When was the last time? Man, I remember this like the day. Oh, man, just like yesterday. I was sitting in a, in a meeting one time, and this guy was preaching on a judgment of God, man. He's preaching on Noah's Ark. I'm going to do a message on this sometime. Man, it was, it was awesome. He was talking about, he was, he was giving this illustration about how they're coming into the ark, you know, and all the time, 120 years, and God's mercy, and God's mercy, and God's mercy. Noah's preaching, everything else. And all of a sudden, they go up to the door, and that door is sealed. And he took that thing back to where he talks about the judgment of God, and he says, and they will drink the dredges of that cup of the fierceness of the wrath of God. It's like having a cup of coffee and all the, 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 the nasty stuff's in the bottom of that cup. He says, you're going to drink it all. And he said, and they sealed that ark up. And there was ladies on the outside of that ship pounding the doors saying, let my baby in. Let my baby in. Oh, my God. Lord, please don't. No. And he says, and they drown. And I'm sitting in that pew, man, and I'm, th I'm having heart palpitations. I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. There's something wrong here. And the Lord's like pressing down on me and pressing down. When was the last time God just like put his finger on you and said, hey, you better get yourself right. You better cut your foolishness out. Amen. You better knock it off. I like those kind of sermons, man. I like it when God just starts to put me in the wine press a little bit, starts to close in the, the walls, you know, and starts to squeeze some of that junk out of my life. Amen. You know what the average person does? Well, it was for so-and-so. I wish they were here because that was for them. And we get presented the truth, and we just compartmentalize it. We put it over here. That's a good, that was a good sermon, Pastor. really appreciate that. Dr. Rutman said he, said he used to get so stinking mad. He'd get done preaching a, a, a revival meeting. Somebody come up and say, Brother Rutman, that was such a blessing. He says, yeah, did it change you? <laughs> I'm not worried about you thinking it was some flowery sermon that was well delivered. Did you do anything with it? Did it change your life? Did you leave here different than what you came? Folks, that's the problem in Laodicea in the last days. The Word of God, you know, we've, we, listen, in the last days, knowledge shall increase, and it has. And you know what? Because we know so much, it affects us so little. And we get presented with a great truth, and God says, you better get that thing right. Say, ah, I don't want you to mess with my life. I like what I'm doing. I'm in a groove. I'm in church still. You know, I maybe miss a couple things. I maybe do this, that, and the other. But I just like where I'm at. So get your nose out of my business, God. Don't start harping on me about the things that I got to fix. Why don't you go harp on them over there? Because there's glaring problems with them. <laughs> Amen. Fear. You know what that sounds like? Somebody who's backed into a corner. Somebody that would, somebody, you say, I would never say that. You're right, you wouldn't say it. You just do it quietly. <laughs> and nobody knows. 
because your relationship is so personal between you and God. Guys, I'm, I'm not trying to get on you tonight. I'm trying to show you that we need to be careful because we can be presented with truth. And how we receive that truth will dictate how we, how we get out on the judgment seat of Christ. Last thing I want to show you. In verse number 16, he says, or they say, <clears throat> excuse me, let me get back to my, my spot here. Verse number 16, it says, There came fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up. Look at what he says. Among us. Among us. You want to cause you to reject the truth? Familiarity with it, because it's just too simple. Fear of it, because it's going to mess with you and your sin. And then inferiority. Notice how it's an emotion. It's an emotional response first. Okay? An emotional response of fear. An emotional response of familiarity. Well, I, I, I know what that feels like. I, I've, I've seen this before. And then inferiority. You say, what is that? Who is he to tell me because he's just one of us? He's just one of us. God rose up somebody among us. Isn't that the modern way to look that preachers want you to look at them? I'm just one of you. Wear a polo behind the pulpit and have a little glass, you know, fiberglass pulpit or something like that. And, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm on your level. And I don't want to ever think you think that I'm like above you or anything. And I'm not talking that you should, you know, be like that. If you're a preacher, you should be lording over folks and all that kind of. But there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a level of respect there. There's a level of respect you should have for your pastor. There's a level of respect you should have for God's preachers. There's a level of respect that you should have for somebody that stands up and preaches, teaches the Word of God. That's what he talks about in, uh, in Timothy, about deacons and those kind of things. He says those folks that labor and work, they're worthy of double honor. He's worthy of double Why? Because he has to give an account for your soul. You understand? Just one of us. Who is he to tell me? I know what he's... I've seen some flaws in him. I've seen some chinks in his armor. Just one of you, huh? <laughs> Just one of you. That inferiority, you know what it caused you to do? Attack the source of the truth in which you're hearing. You attack the source. I don't like the way he said that. Got to be careful. You're just one of us. Who are you to tell me? Look in Luke chapter 4 again. Luke chapter 4, just so I can reinforce what I'm saying tonight. And he closed the book. Jesus Christ goes into Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue. He picks up a book. He picks up the book, the scroll there, and he gives them a little sermon, reads some scripture. He, and then the Bible says in verse 20 that he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He just preached a stinking uh, a worm burner, man. He just lit everybody's barley fields on fire and they're sitting there like, who in the world is that guy? <laughs> right? Who does he think he is? And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness uh, and wondered and the uh, at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And they said to him, You will surely say unto me, This proverb physician, heal thyself whatsoever uh, done in Capernaum and also do here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say, No prophet is accepted in his own country. Isn't this Joseph's son? Don't you just mean he just rang your stinking bell and now because he just presented you with the truth, you're like, well, who does he think he is? All of a sudden you feel little and so the reaction is when you start to feel uh, inferior to somebody else, you raise yourself back up and you go, isn't he just Joseph's son? We know Joseph. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. We know his mom. Who are you? You're just one of us just one of us. You know, it's funny that God uses all kinds of sources for truth. You ever consider that? You better be careful, folks, about bucking against the source in which you're hearing. 
Dr. Ruckman used to say, it's not about, he says, you got to forget the platter. What's on the platter? Is what he said right or wrong? Well, then all the things that you can point out about the individual is immaterial. Because, listen, what we know is God shows the foolishness of preaching to save that which believe. God shows the foolishness of preaching, right, to, to minister and to edify the church. And that means that when somebody gets up behind the pulpit, whether you like it or not, how it is said, how it is delivered, how they're dressed, what their age is, what their occupation is, something that you know about them, that's the devil getting in your ear saying, attack the source. Why? So you can disregard the truth. We better be careful about that. In Numbers 22, the Lord uses Balaam's ass to shed some truth on the situation. Amen? And he finds himself between a rock and a hard place, about to get his head chopped off by the angel of God, and he's hitting his mule over the place, and the mule's like, hey, man, knock it off! <laughs> You're too stupid to see what's in front of you? You're fighting against God! And all of a sudden, his eyes open up. Could you imagine? Well, I just don't, I don't like the fact that you chose a mule to tell me that. I deserve something better than a mule. I am a person. Couldn't you have at least sent me a person? The Lord says, I just met you where you were. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 5, here's Naaman, a king, man of renown. You know, God uses a little maid, a nameless little girl, to tell him exactly what he needs to do to get his leprosy taken care of. You know, I got all these uh, rivers over here, they stink. Uh, the river Jordan, if you dip seven times in that, I think God will probably take care of you. And he doesn't like what he has to hear. God just used a little girl to tell him. You better be careful. <laughs> 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 8. Ahab and Jehoshaphat. What a, a match made in hell. <laughs> Jehoshaphat's got a little bit of sense. Don't you have anybody here that can, you know, inquire of the Lord for us? Yeah, there's one guy, but I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. Why? He just, I don't like the way he talks to me. I don't like the way he talks to me. My kid, he's just negative. Just negative, 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 negative. Always something bad. Always something wrong. You should have listened to him. <laughs> should have listened to him. Just don't like how he talks. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, says, Though I be rude in speech. Though I be rude in speech. And then in Galatians, he asks a question in verse 4, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 16. He says, And then I might become your enemy because I tell you the truth. You know what we can do? We can, uh, we can feel inferior and we can just say, You know what? I'm going to start to attack the source. Why? So I can discredit what he's coming out of the person's mouth. And the truth of the matter is, truth is truth. It doesn't matter how it gets to you. It's whether or not you receive it. It's whether or not you let it get into your heart and change you. Folks, we have to be like the Bereans. You say, okay, well, what are you trying to tell me to do? What, what, what should I do? What, what, is, the, what is the thing? Uh, go to uh, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to tell you how you receive the truth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes you hear somebody preach and, and you say, oh, well, the source is wrong. I don't like the source. He says, you didn't receive it as it was the word of men. If I said something tonight, and, I, and I, trust me, I don't get up here try to be over negative or have a, a bad tone. Sometimes maybe it comes off like that. I don't try to be that way. I'm not trying to be uh, rude in speech necessarily. But you all know something. Sometimes I, maybe I say something tonight, and you say, I don't like what he said. Well, then you have to then wrestle with the fact is, is this me talking in my own, my own little echo chamber of what I think? Or is this somehow God talking? 
You're going to have to wrestle with that one yourself. That's how, I don't care who's preaching. You've got to wrestle with that yourself. I was always counseled, you eat the meat and spit out the bones because there's always something to eat on it. Yeah, amen. amen. Okay, he says that you received it not uh, as you received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you. You receive it as it came out of God's lips for you. As if God were to have descended into this pulpit tonight and spoke to you directly. That's how you receive it. I'm not preaching on my authority tonight. I'm preaching from the authority of the Word of God. That's why in subjects like this, it's important to reinforce what you're trying to say with the Scripture. Why? Because you, you can argue with me. I'm stupid. But can you argue with all the verses we've read? Is it possible that you could be sitting in church and rejecting the truth week in and week out and service in and service out because all you're doing is you're getting this, this stuff in and you're just putting it where you want to put it. You're putting it, where, you're putting it right where you think it should go. Well, I've heard this before. That goes over here. And uh, oh, oh, that's over here. That goes over here. And now it's like you're at the end of the sermon. You're like, everything's nice and neat. Right? It's like trying to keep a house clean with toddlers in it. You know, you keep, you put everything up, everything up, everything up. And it's like, okay, everything's great. Nobody move. And the Lord's like, I'm not so concerned about you putting everything where it's supposed to go as I am with you making this space functional. For you to actually let it work effectually in you. Look in James chapter 1. We're almost done here. I'm, I'm about finished. James chapter 1. How do we receive it? We receive it not as if it came by man, but as if it came from God. James chapter 1 verse 21 Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, look at this, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You receive it with meekness. You receive it humbly. To be meek is to be submissive. Allow His word to supersede your will. And allow whatever it is that God's trying to say to work in your heart and for you to do your best to take it up and then try to apply it to your life. That's why he warns you. He says, don't just be hearers of the word. Right? You need to be a hearer and you need to be a what? A doer. You want to know what it takes to be a doer of the word? You have to receive it. That's the difference between belief and reception of Jesus Christ. You can believe what I'm saying tonight is true. But the test isn't whether or not you believe it's true. The test is whether or not you receive it and apply it to your life and allow it to effectually work in you. That's the test. That is the measure of your Christianity. Nothing else. The measure is, do I allow it to change me? Do I allow it to change me. Do I receive it? In order to receive it, that means I have to ingest it in. I have to think about it like the Bereans did. Preached to him and he says, and then they went home and searched the scriptures to see if those things were so. Not to say that you have to take everything at face value. There's no, God, I was always told that God isn't afraid of you being a skeptic. God's afraid of you being a dishonest skeptic. I shouldn't say afraid. He just, he's God, the, the, the phrase was, God will deal with a skeptic. God will not deal with a dishonest skeptic. If you can be honest with yourself and say, oh, maybe there's something to what he said tonight. You know, there's some Bible behind it. Maybe you say, I'm not sure about that. Okay, well, you go home, get the tape, get, write the verses down, and you do your own study on it. Say, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. I don't know. Could just be up here barking like a mule, Right? But the test of one's salvation isn't whether or not you can say, Amen, brother, that's true. That's easy to do. To acknowledge and believe that, that's easy. But for you to receive it and not just put it where you think it should go and allow it to enter your heart and then for you to respond to it, 
and then try to let it change you, that's the measure of your Christianity. Listen, I don't preach for altar call. We don't give altar call on Wednesday nights. I don't preach for an altar call, but the altar call time is for you to then receive and respond to what God is telling you. If you haven't hit an altar in years, listen, when you get home at night, I highly doubt you're thinking and musing on the things that was preached at the message that you just heard. You have to take time. That's, that's why there's a time for that. You need, to be, you need to be ready at all times to receive a truth, no matter how hard it is, to receive the truth with a spirit of meekness and realize it's not, it's not man talking, it's God talking. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in church tonight. I pray that the things that were brought out tonight, uh, Father, were helpful. Lord, help us to learn from these things. Lord, I want to be a better Christian, Lord. God, there's been times in my life where, Lord, I've rejected truth. I have compartmentalized truth, uh, Lord, for my own benefit, for what I thought was necessary, Lord, and I ignored you completely, Lord. And uh, as pastor was preaching, that's the difference between grieving and, and quenching the Holy Spirit, Lord. I've done that. Help us not to do that. Help us to be aware of those things. Help us to not fall into that trap of the devil, uh, Lord God, that would get us to be able to sit in, in church and believe the truth, but never receive the truth. Help us, Lord God. We love you. We ask you to bless this uh, time of, uh, of prayer requests. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.